meet these guys, Sal. You won't believe them, okay? I didn't take the meeting because I was just too stubborn. I was not sufficiently open-minded. I was very busy at the time. It turns out that the two founders are just unbelievably capable. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest, Sal Dara. Sal, are you ready to rock? Ready. All right. Well, let me give the audience a little background on you. Sal is an angel who, and if you could see him, he looks just like one, who invests, <laughs> in, who invests in the technologies that set Boston apart. A member of Walnut Ventures and MIT Angels, Sal is syndicate lead and podcast host at Angel Invest Boston. Learn more at angelinvestboston.com. Sal, take a minute and fill in further tidbits about your life, which you and I have already talked about some, but what the heck is syndicate lead? <laughs> That's a profession that I stumbled in late in life. You know, I studied engineering. And as an undergrad at MIT, a graduate student at Stanford, I had a career in banking. And then I kind of fell into a career of trading and investing in emerging market debt. And I did that for 30 years, and that's where I made some money. Along the way, I became a CFA charter holder. And so I accumulated some capital to invest. And quite by accident, my brother-in-law introduced me to somebody back in 1992 as a classmate at MIT that had an interesting company. I wrote her a check, and the company looked like it was going to be a total loss. Three, four years later, I got you know 3.4x on the investment, and I was hooked on this business of investing in early stage companies. I did about five between that and 2013, and you know it was a lot of fun. In around 2013, I discovered that there were people called angel investors who actually did this full time. And there were groups organized like Walnut and MIT Angels and so forth. So I became much more active after that because I stopped doing what I was doing before, trading distressed emerging market debt, investing in the stuff. And I dedicated myself to investing in early stage companies. And now the question of syndicate, what a syndicate is, is a bunch of people getting together to invest in one company in this particular context. And this is what I do to bulk up the investments that I make in individual startups. I put together a syndicate. It helps the capitalization table of the startup so they don't end up with enormous number of people on the cap table, which can be bad when they go to a, to a series A or a seed round. And also it allows people to get in without having to write you know, big checks or also without having to be bothered. Whenever there's some kind of corporate action, the syndicate takes care of it. The member doesn't have to deal with it. But anyway, I was kind of conflicted thinking about your main question here, you know, what's your worst investment ever? You know, I had one investment in, that I made. It was a big mistake. It was a you know, fraud because I didn't do enough due diligence. My guard was down because it was a prestigious individual and so forth. And it turned out they were just investing with Madoff at the time. But I decided to say that my biggest loss was missing out on deals I could have invested in. And I did that and there were particular reasons in my way of thinking and my way of doing business that were really, really important. One of these companies 
about which I will always have a regret, is something, there's a company called Love Pop. <laughs> you just used it do? because of its name. Yeah, it doesn't sound serious, right? Can you guess what they do? Is it, you said P-O-P or P-O-T? Yeah, yeah. Love Pop. Love. Plotive. I have to use the plotive there. The yes, pop. the plotive, which we use yes. in, in Thai yeah. and other places. Well, love pop, I don't know, no idea. Does. It makes these you know, greeting cards that open up and a magnificent sailing ship will come out, an airplane will come out or something. You know, they're cut with laser, and, you know, laser cutters and so forth. And I said to my mentor, this guy named Michael Mark, who's invested in hundreds of startups. He's a founder of Who would ever buy this? Michael, what do I know about consumer business? I don't know from consumer business. I do business, you know, B2B. I do biotech stuff. What do I know from B2B? Meet these guys, Sal. You won't believe them, okay? I didn't take the meeting because I was just too stubborn. I was not sufficiently open-minded. I was very busy at the time. It turns out that the two founders are just, these guys are unbelievably capable. One is a, like a naval architect, and the other one is something, you know, it's really, but these are guys who can just like, you put them in any situation, they'll figure it out. And they did. They figured their stores all over the place. They got VC funding. And I missed out. I could have been an early investor in Love Pop. And because I prejudged, I said, what do I know from consumer, you know? And so that one illustrates one particular error that I made in a sense that, you know, just didn't meet the team. You know, that, that's a really, really bad error to make. One of the things that's interesting that you said is it's out of my domain. And right. that's a pretty reasonable thing to say. You know, we're taught but Andrew, in a lot of cases. Everything I do is out of my domain. <laughs> that's the stupid thing about it. You know, I have to fight to keep from, see, as an early stage investor, what I do is I invest in teams. I don't invest in ideas. I don't invest in markets. I invest in teams. If it's a really, really capable founding team and they are working on a problem that's big enough, I should just kind of like step back and not be the analyst, not try to outguess them as, oh, I, this will never work. You know, the margins are too slim, blah, blah, blah. These guys will figure it out. They will change the approach and so forth. Have you heard of a guy named Howard Stevenson? I have not. Harvard Please Business School. Does the name Baupost ring a bell? I do recognize that. Yeah, it's a very, very capable hedge fund here in Boston. Yep. Seth Klarman. So anyway, okay. Howard Stevens is a, is a gloried, a storied professor at the Harvard Business School. And I interviewed him and he told me, Sal, look, this guy has been an angel investor for 35 years. He has done really well. It's, it's, it's internal rate of return of around 17%, which is comparable to Warren Buffett, but in an early stage portfolio. But he says, you know, in those 35 years, if I drop one investment, the IRR, my portfolio drops at 12% per annum. <laughs> and that one investment was a 400x return on what he called a really stupid business. And you know what the stupid business was? Insuring dang cell phones. A company called Ashuria. But the team was stellar. So and it can come out of anywhere. Well. A good idea. Exactly. Exactly. Executed by a good and these team guys will can come out anywhere. It, it may be a stupid idea. So if you have a stupid idea, 
but a bunch of a couple of really clever people are coming to you and saying, "We think we can make tons of money with this." You know, give them a hearing. Mm. So I think that's the big lesson that I had to learn, and it's a constant temptation, you know, to be to think that you know more than because these guys are out exploring the unknown. So I can't know if what their business, the business they're trying to do is doable or not. I have to allow experimentation. It's about experimentation. It's like a scientist get, you know, in the lab guessing, this is gonna work, this is not gonna work. If it's not gonna work, I'm not gonna do the experiment. You know? That's the temptation I'm falling in all the time, and that's what I have to combat to be a mm. better early stage angel investor. Got it, got it. Okay, so let me tell you some takeaways that I get from this story. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah, the first thing that it reminds me of is Peter Lynch, a former Boston guy. Yes, Fidelity, yes, yes. Who, yes. one of the things that was so impressive about him when I read you know, his books in the late 80s, early 90s, mm-hmm. was that he had this amazingly diverse portfolio like he would meet with everybody and he would talk about, yes. I've got this, a stalwart and I've got a growth and I've got a turnaround and I've got, and he just, his ability to look at everything and his desire to construct a portfolio of many different stuff. you know, that's very different from what we see a lot these days where it's like, this guy is successful because he's a value investor or this guy's a momentum right. or whatever. So the first thing that you remind me is you take me back to the idea that good ideas and good money-making opportunities come from many different angles. And I think that's a huge reminder for all of us. The second thing that I take away is something that I used to say when I was an analyst. Yes. I came to Thailand in 1992. In 1993, I became an analyst in the Thai stock market. So I was you know, at the epicenter of emerging Asia and all of that. It was an exciting yes. time. And my job was simple, pick stocks. And for uh-huh. 10 years, I was an analyst picking stocks and loving that job. But then I got promoted to the job of head of research to run the research team. And I quickly realized, and as I told my team, my job is no longer to pick stocks. It's to pick people. I need to pick uh-huh. the people that can pick stocks and can communicate that. And my research team that right. can that can quickly you know, assess the situation, write it up, communicate that. And if I mm-hmm. get my people picking wrong, then the whole output of what we're trying to do doesn't work. And that shift is something that it's interesting yes. that you are describing very clearly that, because at first when you were talking about Love Pop, I thought you were gonna say something else. And I thought you were gonna talk about, hey, I invest in great ideas or I want to invest in great ideas. But what you talked about is I invest in, you know, great teams and teams that can overcome the challenges. And so I think, you know, those are two of the big takeaways that I get from it. Is there anything you'd add to that? Yeah. Well, I'm tremendously flattered that I make any connections in your mind at all with Peter Lynch, who was a titan of investing. I'm an apostrophe in the novel that he wrote. I think that openness is, is really important. But I think you pointed very aptly to something in your experience, which is really important, and that is the fact that you are no longer picking stocks, but you're picking people. And in picking and in investing in early stage companies, because there's no data at that point. 
it's all an idea. It's in the head of a founding team. The founding team has to be really excited about it. They have to be people who work well together. There are a whole bunch of criteria that you want to look for. I interviewed Ed Roberts at the Sloan School, who was a really very brilliant professor at the Sloan School, who is, you know, is a, a very famed investor in early stage companies. And he has studied a lot about founding teams and, and what makes them successful. So investing in the stage that I'm in, it's all about the founding team. Later on, you know, by the time they're getting to VC money, there's data. And VCs are in the business of looking at data. And I can't compete with them on that because I don't have the analytical team to look at the data. But what I do have is a lot of experience in business. So that's my ace in the hole, Got is looking at people's interactions, how they interact. Yep. Now, before we move on to kind of the final part, which is the actionable advice for someone mm -hmm. in the situation, I just wanted to mention that after interviewing about, you know, 150 people and also having about 500 stories submitted to me in writing from 500 different people of their worst oh, wow. investment ever, being an analyst, I analyzed the yes. data. <laughs> and, uh, yes. And I've come up with six main common mistakes. Uh, number one, absolutely, yes. by far, number one is fail to do their own research. Number two uh, is fail to properly assess and manage risk once they move into that position. Number three is driven by emotion or flawed thinking. Number uh -huh. four is misplaced trust, which I think you referred to really at the beginning of this, you know, fail to do the research and misplaced trust was something right, right. About with the original idea that you mentioned. Number five is failed to monitor their investment. It's surprising the number of people that would put money into something and then they just leave it there and then it just disappears. Uh -huh. But it's number six that I want to talk about with you. And uh -huh. number, number six, I just didn't know what to do with this. And so it's a little bit odd. It comes as a little tail at the end of this thing and it's called invested in a startup company. <laughs> And, and, and I didn't even know, I also, these are common mistakes, or as I say, six ways you'll uh -huh. lose your money. And then I try to come up with six strategies to win. And when it comes to that sixth item, basically, I, I don't really have a great strategy, but what I say is be prepared that most investments in startups, you will lose all of your money. Like it's a binary outcome in most cases. But I think that yes. maybe listening mm -hmm. to you and also listening to the concept of syndicate, you know, maybe it also comes down to really, if you're going to be an angel investor, you probably need to invest in 10 or 20. And maybe a syndicate is a way of accessing that, that allows you uh, to diversify the risk. Yeah. So could you, yeah. could you just it, talk about yeah. that? Well, yeah. You know, if you invest in one startup, you get a, pretty good chance of losing all your money. I'd say you, bought, you have about a 60 to 70% chance of losing your money. Why? Because the Angel Capital Association, there is such a, a group, they keep track of the returns on angel investments. And they say that about 67% of investments do not return the original capital. It usually means you lose everything. Sometimes it might mean that you lose most of it. It's very rare that you get back just you know, one X. It's either several X or a very small fraction of, of one X. But you see, we in the CFA world you know, have been raised on the idea of modern portfolio theory. 
that tells you that the market does not pay you for taking idiosyncratic or company-specific risk. The market pays you for beta. So you have to have an allocation that is consonant with the market allocation because if, you know, if, you, if you start taking these very large bets, you're not gonna get paid for those bets. Now, because of the idiosyncratic risk, something, all, all of the surprises are for the downside. It's very rare. I have not heard of Exxon discovering they have a, a refinery they didn't know about. Oh gosh, you know, or you know, a large real estate uh, you know trust discovering. Oh, I have a you know earning building that we didn't know about. You know, those things don't happen in public markets. But in the startup world, surprises happen for the downside, as it does everywhere in investing. But they also happen to the upside. A company discovers a use case they had not suspected existed. Okay, I've seen this count. My portfolio is over 50 investment, over 50 startups. So yes, you need to diversify, but diversification works two ways. It works to reduce the downside risk, but it also greatly increases the chance that you will get one of those 400X Howard Stevenson type returns, the kind of return he got in Assurion in his portfolio. Mm -hmm. And Howard Stevenson is a man who became quite wealthy not just because of his angel portfolio, but other stuff that he was doing, to the point where, you know, I guess he's probably the only member of the faculty at Harvard that needs a family office. Right. It doesn't like the term, but, but he, has, he has one. And so the point here is that diversification in publicly traded securities works to protect you from idiosyncratic risk. Diversification helps you capture the idiosyncratic risk of the startups. Yep. You know, the okay. unicorn the 400X, the 1000X, that will make your entire portfolio and then some. So this is what we live for. We live for you know, making sure that we don't have a string of losers, but in the end is for you know, hitting that one that's gonna be you know, 500X, 1000X, that's gonna make the whole portfolio. And you cannot know in advance which companies are gonna be there. That's an important point. And I want to wrap it up with some actionable advice. But I also, what I want to do is a little bit differently about this actionable advice, because you have a portfolio of many companies, majority of the listeners here are probably being approached by people saying, Hey, why don't you invest as an angel investor in my startup? And they're not right. accessing a portfolio or a syndicate. They're just saying, hey, this is cool. I've been making some good money. These guys have come to me with a good idea. I like them, you know? Uh -huh. So I'm trying to think of, put myself in their shoes, number one, and ask you the question. You know, you've got two aspects now. One is the aspect of, hey, if you've got capital to allocate, I think, you know, the lesson that you've learned is take the meeting, listen yeah. to them, get the yeah. ideas. But I also want you now, to think about, you know, the average person out there. No, I think it's very important for people to understand that you have to have a great deal of discipline in investing in startups. Okay. I say start small, start slow, and don't do it alone. I don't do it alone. Okay. I'm a syndicate leader, but my syndicate is investing in companies that a bunch of other wallet guys are investing, a bunch of MIT angels are investing in, a bunch of other guys that I've known, because I don't make decisions about investing in a startup in a vacuum. 
I talked to a lot of people to get their view on the team. This is a very human undertaking, making judgment on a team. And therefore, it's really important to get a lot of people to give you an opinion of the team. So it is really important to remember, start small, you know, small size, start slow, because you will learn after a handful of investments, you will learn, you will pay attention. I don't want to be self-promoting here, but I have a podcast that talks all about investing. Some of the earlier podcasts, a guy named Ben Litauer, he's a very active angel here in Boston. And that was his advice. His advice was start early, start small. And I would add, don't do it alone. You know, find an angel group near you or find a syndicate. If it's an angel, you know, angel list, somebody who knows what they're doing or, you know, my syndicate or some others in an area that interests you, but diversify. I would say if you have, let's say, if you want to invest $200,000, or let's say $300,000, make the math, the math easier. Divide that by 30, okay? And then judiciously make investments of $10,000 over two years, three years. Make 20 of them. That means only get to 200,000, leaving 100,000 in cash, right? What's the 100,000 for? 100,000 is for the winners. I hate to write second checks, okay? I'm with Peter Thiel on that. You write second checks when it's to buy servers for Facebook because they're getting so much traffic they, they can't, you know, can't stand it. They, they need more servers. In those days, they had to, they, there was no AWS. They had to yeah. just buy servers. So you know, I like to leave cash. And right now, I think it's a good time to have cash on the sideline. So in anything you're doing, leave some cash on the sideline. Because you know, there's, from my days in, in Nigeria, there's a saying in Nigeria, Wait, and you will see the body of your enemy floating upon the river. <laughs> it's a little colorful, but it urges patience. And so, you know, returns can't be rushed. Due diligence can't be rushed. This idea of FOMO, fear of missing out, you know, forget about that. If somebody is giving you FOMO in a startup, give it a miss. Yep. So that's the advice I would give someone who's thinking about investing in yeah, early stage I, companies. I love that. And you might FOMO, I, I think of F O M D, fear of making a donation. <laughs> <laughs> that's my fear. Sometimes yeah. when people say, Can I borrow money from you? I say, Well, I don't lend money anymore because it doesn't normally come back, but I do give grants of money. Uh-huh. And my grants yeah. usually start at fifty bucks. So what's your yeah. idea? <laughs> okay, so I just want to summarize that for the audience because I think there's some really valuable lessons there. But I think of all the lessons, I think the most important lesson is the idea of don't do it alone. And I think that particularly bad startup ideas, you know, people may be very good at using emotion to get you excited about it. And if you... Well, you mean able, fraudulent, fraudulent ideas. Well, I'm, Scammers yeah, and so on. Yeah, those, those, those two. Fraud is one, but just that, you know, just that this person can't execute. You know, they may have a good idea, yeah. but they just can't execute. Getting well, the other people involved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the judgment of the team. I mean, you will, here's another hint on how to do this. Take time, you know, meet with the team a couple of times, two or three times. And you may spot details that don't add up, you know. It's like they can't let each other talk. So if they can't be cordial in front of somebody who's going to give them money, maybe. These guys are probably at their throats behind doors, you know? 
Got it. It's like they don't get along. This is the kind of stuff that happens to teams. You know, in Brazil, there's a saying, you know, people trip on the hairs of their legs. You know, they get tangled up. Nonsense, you know, like you trip on your shoelaces. And this is the kind of stuff that trips up companies. People fight over stupid things. And it's a brilliant idea. Brilliant founders, very capable people. But they trip up on really mundane things. Got it. So, but you've got to believe, you know, you have to, I mean, I, I have a case, for example, of this young guy who came from a famous lab here in Boston called the Langer Lab. And I had a crazy idea about squeezing cells into these constrictions and, and so forth. And, you know, and I, I liked the guy, I liked his colleague and so forth. And it turned out this company, so I, I ended up leading the angel round because the technology was very promising for MIT lab. I ended up leading a, their angel round for that company. The company's called Squeeze Biotech. It's one of the very hot biotech companies here in Boston. Made a billion dollar partnership with Roche Pharmaceuticals on creating immunotherapies for cancer. And they have, you know, the applications for their technology have yet to be completely mapped out. They're still discovering things that, you know, where they can apply that technology. So this is where, why I think your sixth advice, you know, that you so you invest in a startup, you know, how that's, a, you know, you can lose a lot. You have to, if you apply proper risk control, you have a little portion of your portfolio that you don't care if it goes up in smoke, because it would be really wonderful if somehow that smoke ends up in a balloon and it rises to the sky, you know? So my advice is take a little risk, you know? Startups, early stage companies are not, you know, they're not meat and potatoes. They're kind of like pepper for the pot, you know, a yeah. little bit in the, in the pot, in the portfolio can go a long way and it can make a difference, an entire difference in your portfolio. Right. Now for me, it's, I just think they're fun. So yeah. that's it. But I always say that entrepreneurs are the ultimate optimists and they are the ones that truly change the world. But now you've reminded me that angel investors are also the ultimate optimists. So, oh, you know, we're, we're <laughs> kind of lazy because we're, you know, we're, we're surfing on the enthusiasm of these fantastic founders. Yeah. Being a founder is not a rational thing. It is, a, it is an altruistic, uh, sacrificial thing that they do. And we angels aim to make their lives easier, recognizing that these people have decided to do this. You know, most of these people that I like, interact with could very easily go work for Pfizer or go work for Google, or Amazon, and earn a lot of money and be very happy and have very normal lives. But they, won't, they don't do it because they want to take, you know, us to a, a, some kind of cure for cancer or some kind of you know, new approach to curing diabetes and so on. Yep. And so, you know, these, these are the restless souls that, you know, I have the privilege of working with and I want to support them. So, you know, that's, the, you know, they're the heroes. Anyway. Perfect. All right. Last question. What's your number sure. one goal for the next 12 months? My number one goal for the next 12 months is to increase the number of people in my syndicate list to, you know, buy five, five X, the number of people in my syndicate list, because I have companies in my, in, that I'm looking at in, that I've just recently invested in that I think could use more money because they are really, really, really compelling. And so I'd like to, instead of writing, you know, the kinds of checks that I'm writing right now, I'd like to write checks that are five X, the checks that I'm writing in addition to my own money that I'm putting into these companies 
to help. I mean, this one company, for example, is repurposing a drug that has a very, very nice safety profile, and it's out of patents, repurposing it for the treatment of diabetes and by emulating something called the Ruin-Y bypass surgery, which is the most effective you know, gastric bypass surgery in which causes remission of diabetes in 80% of diabetic patients. And these people have re-engineered, these people from Brigham and Women's Hospital here in Boston at Harvard Medical School, have re-engineered this generic drug to make it possible for you to, for you know, patients, we hope, it's in, in the mouse studies, it's, you know, they've done it in mice, and we're in the early steps of getting it to human trials. So, you know, if I can add money to that kind of thing, that's the sort of thing that I would love to add money on. As I say, this is not an offering. I'm not saying, you know, this is not, you know, this is, I'm not offering anything. They, you know, the company has, you know, has their own thing. But this is the kind of, I can tell you that I am an investor in the company. And this is the kind of company that I like to back. Fantastic. Well, listeners. There you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning and also <laughs> learning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. And we're going to put everything in the show notes. So if you are thinking, hey, I'd like to join that syndicate, I'd like to learn more, click on the links in the show notes and learn more about what Sal is doing and exploring in this world. As we end, Sal, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I know it's painful for talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning <laughs> win as a result. At least, at least your worst investment had the word love in it. So, you know, that's not so bad. Do you have any parting <laughs> words? Portfolio. Yeah. Yes. Do you have any parting, parting words? words? Well, you know, I just, I love doing this, Andrew. This is a brilliant idea. The idea of having people learn from, it requires humbleness. So you, you are kind of filtering out the unwise people who never make mistakes from coming to your show and so you're coming to show to your show people who are introspective and who you know can learn from their mistakes which is you know you cited peter lynch peter lynch learned from his mistakes he made mistakes and he's that's what made you know makes him a really a you know truly great investor Got it. so i thank you very much for having me on my pleasure to have you on and we definitely learned a lot and i want to congratulate you for being one of the few because I tell you, the majority of people reply to me and say, are you nuts? I'm going to talk about my loser. No, thanks. But when you want to talk about my winners, give me a call. So you've taken your worst investment ever and turned it into one of the best teaching moments. So that's a wrap on another great story to help you create, grow, and most importantly, protect your wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.